Welcome to CFO Insights, the leading podcast for finance professionals in disruptive tech brought to you by the Startup CFO community. I'm Guy Hutchinson and I'm the host of the podcast as well as being a tech CFO. In this episode, we're going to talk to Alicia Randall of Fast Growth Consulting. Alicia is a super experienced FD and CFO, now working portfolio with a range of high growth businesses. We explore her interest in building courses to support the growth of the CFOs of the future. We hear about why managing and leading are such different elements for finance professionals. And we discover a few surprising tips of hers when looking to ensure a bias towards leadership. Alicia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, I mean, um, you've had a very, very expansive career in <laughs> tech, uh, particularly VC back tech. And yes. um, we were just talking earlier, actually, that, 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 that you got into your first high growth business at about, about the same time that I did. Um, so it'd be great just to hear about um, the kind of things you've done and to talk a bit more about uh, the topic of this podcast, which is leadership in the world of finance. <laughs> Great. So I uh, landed in 2006. (laughs) So um, I qualified in Australia first before I came over. And then I was very fortunate to work for my first startup, which was Love Film. So for those of you who are a bit younger than me, (laughs) may think this is crazy, but Love Film has put uh, DVDs through the post. As it a... seems so high tech at the time. I mean, like now it sounds mad because you had that plasticky wallet and you shoved the disc in and then you put it in a letter box. <laughs> we did. So, so charming. I know, I know. Someone's going to bring that back. No, no, no. <laughs> but we were, the, you know, the new cool cats compared to uh, Blockbuster back mm, then. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and so I was a financial controller there. And I had a really good CFO who was a brilliant leader and really kind of mentored me and developed me quite a lot over six years. And I ended up being a director of finance there by the time I left. And I had three finance teams and business intelligence team underneath me. So quite a big team and worked on the Amazon acquisition, which was certainly interesting and worked for Amazon for 18 months, which maybe for another podcast <laughs> and um and yeah so I had a great experience and then I moved to funding circle fintech company um I was the first finance director there so um you know it was still developing the finance team was still very much developing and I worked with them for about five years worked on the IPO as well under a CFO and then I moved to my own kind of consulting Uh, work which is what I'm doing now so I really enjoy that early stage fast pace seed series A up to series B kind of businesses and they don't need someone like me full-time so I've kind of moved into that portfolio work and so I can work for that early stage business uh, which I really love and um, on top of that then I also educate up-and-coming aspiring or brand new finance directors as well. That's amazing, Alicia. So I I feel that in that career journey, you've done pretty much everything that a tech CFO would do, right? Like 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 you've been there early stage, you've been there growth stage, you've built yeah. up teams, you've built up BI from scratch, 
you've had exits like like an exit with Amazon, the thing that many mm. people would be dreaming of, by the way. Yeah, uh, that's astonishing experience. And and at some level, um, when I talk to you and I listen to the kind of things that you're working on, mm. um, one of the really unique things is just how interested you are in people and learning mm. and development, which which mm. is not always so common in the world of CFOs. <laughs> Maybe not, but <laughs> but I really I think also it helped with the fact that I had really good CFOs that mm. developed me, so I really saw that benefit. And then I I you know had a good period where I didn't have someone mentor me. <laughs> I could see how detrimental that could be. So I think it's really important because I benefited from that, and it's almost like a way of giving back, I suppose, yeah. um, and and getting you know, the, the support that people are able to give to startups, particularly a CFO, because you have so much resources and knowledge and data at your disposal that you can really, you know, uh, uh, give back essentially and add value to the founders who are who desperately are trying to grow their business. Yeah, that is very interesting. So for anybody that was listening who thought that they, they had a leaning towards sort of teaching and sharing their learnings, one of the key things is to have some great mentors, mm. you know, people that sort of keep you sharp, keep you match fit, mm. and sort of keep that energy in helping others. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, I think as, as a manager and as a leader, you need to do that towards your team anyway to get the best out of them. Mm. And particularly with the younger generation nowadays, I've seen like a lot of 360 reviews or not 360 reviews, sorry, cultural reviews some of the most common feedback is I want to learn, I want to um, work out how I can improve in my role, I want to grow, I want to, you know, be promoted, I want, basically, they want learning and development. So I think it's becoming more and more important as these younger generations are coming through. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, it feels like a very now topic. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> on the topic of topics, uh, this episode, so we, 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 we spoke a few weeks back and we picked this point around leadership. Like what, what does it take to be a finance professional in a high growth business mm. and to really double down on those leadership characteristics? Mm. Uh, it's a topic that isn't covered that widely, right? I've, mm. I've seen you um, talk about it with some of our members of the group and I've seen you post on it on LinkedIn. Mm. Uh, and I'm really interested just to sort of unlock this, this sort of slightly elusive creature, which is... Mm. How would a busy finance professional be them, an FD or a CFO or whatever? How can they be sure that they're really behaving as a leader? Mm. Um, it is a really interesting topic, and, and I think not just in finance, obviously, but across the board, um, because so many people are pushed into these kind of leadership roles, um, perhaps without really understanding what, what a leader is. And le leadership is also really difficult to define because there's so many different elements to leadership and there's a different ways of being a leader as well. You know, you can be really aggressive or really passive. Or <laughs> <laughs> there's many different ways yeah. of, of being a leader. Mm -hmm. so, so it is quite difficult to, um, to define. But essentially the way that I see it is it, it is that kind of longer-term thought process, that strategic way of looking at what you're doing day to day um, and instead of like worrying about the operations of what the team is doing or what the business is doing the day-to-day -day, the firefighting these kind of things it's looking above that so it's looking at things more higher level more longer term more questioning being curious um, trying to look at things in a different way 
um, and it's it's trying to do those things as part of your day job, which can be quite difficult, particularly in startup businesses when mm. you are constantly firefighting um, and there is always so much to do. So it is. I find it more challenging, I think, in these kind of roles to find the time to be a leader or be strategic um, just because of resources as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and um, I guess through your courses, you are working with a large number of like up-and-coming CFOs mm. who are looking to sort of really understand how to unlock these leadership behaviours. Mm. When you talk about things like questioning, like, like this, mm. this, this piece where you might have somebody who's head of finance in a great Series A or Series B business, mm. and they want a question to question to, to challenge the business so that mm. they can operate as a leader, yeah. like how do you help people to unlock those things? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the first part is, is kind of that analysis that, you know, which accountants are very good at in general is is um, looking for things to investigate or or whenever, th- you know, sometimes you can even just use your guts and it's like this doesn't feel right or this is heading in the wrong direction and asking why basically and trying to find the root cause of things. Um, you know, even when you're doing commentary, it's that those five whys. So, it's, you know, we're 10% below budget. Why are we 10 below budget? Low budget because the sales team isn't working as well as they should. Well, why isn't the sales? Team? And you know, just keep asking, asking, asking until you get to that root cause. So I think it's that initial research and development of of being inquisitive and and looking at the trends and trying to find out why things are happening and keep asking why until you get to get to the core reason. And then it's shining that light. So whether it's doing it in a more formal way as part of your you know management pack or presenting to the leadership team as this is what I've looked at, this is what I think the root cause is, or, you know, what does everybody else think? So it's it's kind of opening that conversation rather than being, you know, accusing people of doing things wrong. It's more looking at it as a team. You know, the leadership team, the whole, the leadership team own the entire PL, not just their subsection. They really need to own from the revenue all the way down to operating profit. And so it's looking at that as a team and trying to work out as a team what the problems are and how can we solve them. So I think having that more as a conversational discussion rather mm. than being you you've, you and your department haven't behaved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing wrong and what are you going to do about it? You yeah. Know? So, so that to me sounds like there's, there's a piece which is, being the kind of person or, or, or really encouraging behaviours where you will ask the why many times over if that's what it takes to get yes. to get an answer to, to get an evidenced answer that you believe is a true interpretation of why the business is doing well or having a few kind of challenges here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a bit which is to then to take sort of that knowledge, like that that maybe one truth about what's happening in the business and bring it into the C-suite for some some leadership conversations, some like working in partnership with those guys. Yes. Because I completely agree with you. Um, sometimes there is a lack of clarity about the C-suite jointly owning the PNL outcome. Mm. That's quite mm. common. It is. And I, and I think, and actually I wrote about it last week, actually. Um, I think like putting cost centres in too early in a really small business mm. kind of encourages that bad behaviour. Of siloing responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I think, like, if you can bring in cost centres as late as possible and encouraging that full ownership, you'll, be, you'll get much better, um, you know, every, 
cooperation yeah. within that leadership team so that they're not just focusing on such a small piece, which I think is detrimental to the business's performance. Yeah, that that is very interesting. Yeah. And and do you find that there this iterative process, the kind of you know, curiosity in the CFO mm. to discover things like my, my, my personal experience of that when I was a CFO was um, I'd be keeping an eye on the revenue number through the month. I'd get to like the 20th or 25th day and you kind of know where you're going to end up. Yeah. And if it wasn't where we needed to be, then I'd go and have a chat with the sales guys and mm. just listen to their stories about, hey, look, so how's it going? I see we're mm. a little bit behind. Mm. Uh, and then give me a few stories, but they'd be anecdotes, right? So they weren't mm. necessarily statistically relevant, mm. but at least I had a little bit of a feel for what was bothering them. Yeah, Because if, totally. if sales are down, they're not going to make their comms, so it must yeah. be bothering them, should be bothering them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the thing that I'd do is I'd then try to analyse the data that we had, and even if that meant me rolling my sleeves, and just to see if I could back up the anecdotes. And yeah. quite often they won't back up, right? Yeah. Uh, but but one, but sometimes they will, and then suddenly you've got to leave. Like, oh, okay, I can. I think I can see what's going on here, mm. and you're so much nearer finding an answer, being able to share that answer with those that you partner with, which is mm. typically the rest of the C-suite. Yeah. Um, but, but I always wonder, like, is there something in the psychological makeup of people where some people ask the question again and again and again because they just need to have the answer and others are just not sufficiently curious? How, how do you bring out the curiosity to make that happen? I think, I think also um, if you're thinking about it from, like, your own personal point of view or rather what's going to help you personally <laughs> is you can think about it on how you're going to write the commentary for the board. Mm. So, like, if you are writing commentary for the board and you're just stating facts that they can already read off the three financial statements, you're not really – the commentary. there's no point to the commentary, mm -hmm. really. Great, yeah. Whereas if you really understand the business and you've had those conversations with the C-suite and you know – why the numbers are the way that they are yeah. and you and if you think about it from a commentary point of view then you, you do have that motivation then from a personal point of view on asking the questions I mean I think it's quite good to have a chat with the c-suite just before the month ends to say as you said how is the month going um, if, especially if you don't have a full set of numbers and then you want the numbers to match what is happening in the business, what's happening operationally. If they're totally different, there's something going on there. Either your numbers are wrong or, or, yeah, yeah, or what yeah, they think yeah. is going on is and, wrong. And, and that's not the rarest issue either, right? Yes, mm. a lot of businesses, because they're early stage, because they're high growth, they don't quite have the sort of stability in their data set mm. that, that, that you think you've got after mm. your 30 odd days of the month mm. not necessarily after you've closed the books and you've mm. suddenly there's some credit notes and some refunds that mm. were swept under a rug somewhere mm. and you discover them and yeah, books them, right uh, yeah. quite common to have uh, differences that that, that that need to be understood yeah. and and like it, it, it sounds like a lot of the things that you, you you're teaching on your courses mm. are things you've developed based on your career Yes. Um, and, and and your personal learnings, like the, the things you've done yourself, and the people yeah. that have been in your teams, and people mm. that you've worked for as well. Mm -hmm. Like, are there kind of are there war stories that, that you always feel like, oh, I'm helping this person, you know, teaching them or mentoring them. Yeah. I really need to tell them this story about leadership mode <laughs> yeah. to help them unlock their leadership mode. Like, is there one story that you're like, ah, I always tell them this one, and that really that 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 really carries it home. Yeah, yeah. I th I think um I think the main one for me was. Well, the, the hardest part of my career ever was when I 
when I got negative feedback, basically, and I had to turn it around quickly. And that was when I was behaving like a manager rather than a leader. Mm -hmm. And and the MD and CEO, basically, it was basically during a review, agreed that I wasn't very strategic. And I, I think I, I thought I was doing a really good job because my team was really, you know, really good, and you know, basically, I was, I was a very good manager. Okay. <laughs> Which is a danger. I mean, it's a feature, but it also could be a danger if the leadership's not coming through. Exactly, yeah. and I think, I, I, I think I was when I look at it in hindsight, I can see how much of a leader I wasn't, and I had to learn very quickly, basically, to to turn it around to become a leader, so that basically I can keep my job. Really, um, so that that, that very quickly. <laughs> puts you in good stead to learn yeah, as fast as possible. Yeah. So a few things I learned was I I wasn't learning, so I hadn't spent any time educating myself on what leadership was. I just kind of took the role and just carried on um, doing that management part. But also um, I also could see that there were cracks starting to appear because I wasn't thinking long-term. So when you're working for a company that's like 100% growth year-on-year, you, you have to think longer term. So if the company doubles in 12 months' time, is my team going to be able to handle it? Is the current process going to be able to handle it? Is the software going to be able to handle it? And I can tell you right now, in that particular situation, it wasn't. And I, yeah. and I had to, and I could see that there were certain things that we were doing manually. I would have to hire another five people to keep doing this thing manually if we doubled year on year. Otherwise, it would break. So, yeah, I think that was... That was probably the hardest thing for me was a getting bad feedback and b it, everything was just about to crack, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds like you intervened at just the right just time. at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the time. CFOs and comedians. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can I can imagine actually that 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 story would cut through with a lot of people, right? Because actually, some sometimes it needs to be like that, right? So mm. Sometimes you need to have the sense that. Hey, look, you know, may, maybe there's a very real threat, and mm. you need to attend to some changes in order mm. to mm. make 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 the good things happen. Mm. Um, fantastic, and and then like when you're mentoring people and um, you're going through this thing, because I, I really do think that most people, not not just finance professionals, mm. but most people don't really understand when they're managing and when they're leading. Like mm. they're flicking between those two modes without mm. really thinking about it very mm. much, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm sure that the, the, the difference between the two is not as well understood as it could be. Yeah. But what what are the pitfalls of just being stuck in the manager mode? Like like what what's the war story for someone who's like, uh, you might just be stuck in manager mode. Yeah, I, I think it is that kind of longer term. It's basically that longer term thinking think time really is I think if you're stuck in manager mode, you are just dealing with the day-to-day -day and you are just, you know, you're dealing with your inbox, you're dealing with the fires that are fighting and you're dealing with your questions from your direct team and, and pretty much, and that's it, really. Yeah. Rather than going to business, finding out what's happening, thinking about, you know, the, the, um, the longer term as far as not only your team, so where are you going to be in 12 months, 24 months' time, how are you going to deal with, deal with the changes in the business but also the the business you know you want to be able to add value gone are the days where the accounting team was in the back dark corner surrounded by files and mm. everything that part of the role 
let's be honest, is going to be replaced by AI. Pretty next, soon. Pretty soon, tell, yeah. yes. Yeah. And a lot of it already has. You know, startups don't have accounts payable clerks yeah. anymore. So, you know, I think the real challenge for leaders is ensuring that they are being leaders and they're getting used to that type of role because that's the part of the role that's going to stick around. The part of the role that's not going to stick around is a bit that can be automated. So it's, it's making sure that you... You have time to think, you have time to plan, you look at different scenarios, you mitigate risks, and you find things that can really add value to the business, where you shine the light, where you question the business, where you remain curious. They're the bits that eventually, hopefully with AI, you'll have more time to actually do. That's the dream. (laughs) That's the dream. That's what's coming. Uh, So that sounds like somebody who could be in danger of of just mainly managing they've really got to like get their vision down as to what it is that they're going to do like like what's their boss going to pat them on the back for in 12 months time yeah because it ain't going to be just running the finance team and knocking out the reporting no absolutely not no no if you can give something to the c-suite that will help them make their job better or give them insights to fix their problem that's what you're going to get a pat on the back for yeah and one, one other thing that I also learned was when you're a leader, you're not going to be judged on how hard you work. You're going to be judged on your outputs. That is very true. And yeah. I think for some people that have maybe trained in uh, audit, for example, mm. the way, you know, if you're in the big four, it's kind of famous for, you know, doing big hours and that being very visible because mm. traditionally at least audit has been in the office. small groups yeah. in the office. Yeah people working till midnights, like uh, that, that that visible hard work and that being recognised often by the partners because mm. you are visibly working late. Mm. Um, as you go into a leadership role in a growth stage business, like that is gone. Like nobody really notices if you're at your desk for 40 hours or 60 hours no. or for, for other people in the C-suite probably nowhere near 10 or 20 hours, frankly, mm. right? Mm. Uh, it's about the outcomes and, what, and what's mm. visible in the board meetings. And the results. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Mm. Fantastic. So... Let's let's delve a little bit because I'm curious, right? So you are working with a lot of up and coming CFOs through your mm-hmm. courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be good just to sort of hear just just a little bit about your courses, mm-hmm. and actually also I think even more interesting, uh, what's the optimal time for somebody to come and sort of talk with you about mm-hmm. what the learning opportunities are? Because mm-hmm. uh, there's also like an optimal time to sort of to upskill, right? Mm-hmm. It might not be three months before you'll be round. You might yeah, have yeah. some stuff on. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the, there might be like a certain profile of personal certain sort of stage in their career yeah. where you can really help to accelerate their growth. Yeah, no, absolutely. So so I have like a mini course on, on how to upgrade your management accounts that's got nothing to do with software. It's more got to do with that value add. Mm-hmm. So ma- management accounts, we all have to do them every single month and it's so easy to just get into, you know, auto mode and just churn them out like the way that they've been churned out for years without actually putting any thought into it and actually the management accounts are really interesting because it's it's your guaranteed shot to talk to the board and to talk to the c-suite team and to basically demonstrate your skills and so if you have a really amazing management account that people want to read look forward to reading and actually read it then you know you're basically demonstrating your value and your leadership skills really so so that's kind of a good one to do when you're wanting to take that next step 
and you want to demonstrate your value, basically. Um, and then the, the finance director course is more for people that are about to go into that kind of that finance director role or, or Hoff role because they're not quite sure what it entails. Mm. So obviously in a finance manager role, you have a, you have a task list. And it's like, this is what you need to do on a daily basis. And I think that's what I found very difficult But going from a management role to a leadership role is there's no task list because you're the one that has to decide what that task list is. You have to decide what to look at. You have to decide what to spend your day doing. Ultimately, you're, you know, the CEO might ask for a couple of things every now and then, but ultimately it's your your job to decide what you need to focus on. So I kind of took that and broke that down. So it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a fairly lengthy course. It's 10 modules, but it goes through every element of your role and each of it has a task list ultimately. It's like this is what you should be looking at, questioning, focusing on um, in that finance director role. So, you know, the first three modules we talk about more of those softer skills, so communication, imposter syndrome, you know, the things that your mindset, how do you talk to the board, you know, all those kind of things. And then it's more practical. So, again, management accounts, budgeting, fundraising, all cash flow, all the fun things that you need to do yeah. in the startup yeah, yeah. world. So, so yeah, so I've had people do it that are haven't quite got the confidence to apply for a finance director role mm -hmm. um, and they don't really know if they have the skills and then when they finish it, they go, oh, actually, I can do this. And then they've, they've actually gotten the finance director role. Um, or they've just taken one on or they've moved sideways, say, from audit or investment banking and they don't really understand, again, what the role kind of entails. So it's kind of to, to give you a leg up, essentially. Yeah, yeah I mean, that sounds incredibly valuable because it's really hard to find a mentor that can commit the time to exactly. allow you to accelerate your career like i think particularly in a structured manner yeah it's a lot of mentoring which is like these are things i've done you could do similar things yeah but actually that's not really structure that's just yeah. kind of sharing a few stories and to to do what you've done which is very very structured and brought all of your experience together yeah um does does sound really amazing i'm sure i have lots of people in the group interested <laughs> uh yeah fascinating so i, I mean um you know, we're, we're always trying to make our podcast kind of bite-sized, like kind of 30-minute bite-sized. And so um, what we should do is, uh, because we could talk this for hours and uh, have a very lengthy podcast. I, I would love it. But, you know, for the audience, let's, let's do 30 minutes or so. Um, so what, what would you say are the kind of like three things that, that somebody should sort of take away from this conversation in terms of, um, you know, if there's just three things to jot down yeah. after you've, listened to our conversation yeah. uh, to, to, to take back into the office with you yeah. uh, and really sort of like focus on your leadership potential. Like what, what would those things be? Yeah, sure. So the first thing I'd say is particularly in a startup world whereby you are, you know, being pulled in so many directions, it's really important to find the time to think and plan and, you know, put those longer term plans in place. And I always, I, I've always encouraged um, people that I'm mentoring or students I'm working with to basically sit down with their calendar, <laughs> quite literally I make them do it on the call or on Zoom, and book, say, two hours in a month mm. and make it recurring. And it could be more regular or longer or shorter, and generally I encourage them to put something in where they know nobody would 
uh, put something on top of it. Mm. <laughs> so whether it's like doctor's appointment or yeah. um, course or a meeting with, you know, somebody, whatever it is, um, and make that recurring and just stick to it. So never, never, never can see that as a free time of two hours. And how do you really make that a sacred cow? That like nobody's like, oh, but my boss needs some time and I'll give him those two hours or her even. Yeah, I mean, that takes self-discipline, doesn't it? I think also when you are doing things throughout the month as well, you will find things where you're like, oh, I really need to spend a bit of time on that. Mm. Put it on that on in the description of that next meeting, or have like a list. Ah, and so you're so saying to build in the yeah, invites, yeah, the things you're going, going to explore in that dedicated time. Yes, and so when you get to that, you could easily fritter it away on Slack or email. <laughs> but if you've got a list of these are the things I'm going to focus okay. on, then you can just focus on them. So I've found that super useful. So be really dedicated and. Yeah put in things that are almost like deliverables. Yeah, basically. And you can also use Pomodoro as well during that time if you need to get that focus, you know, that the 20 minutes of focus and then five-minute break that techies kind of use. So so I find that sometimes I'm a bit scattered and I get to my thinking time, I'll use Pomodoro and I find that really useful. Brilliant, yeah. So so, so, um, I'm not that familiar with the Pomodoro resource. So so give us the sort of 20-second yeah, summary so, on it. So basically you have a 20-minute timer yeah. and you have to choose one topic. And to that's focus. an app. So it's yeah. a app. Yeah, you, you can do it on app. You can do it on, on a lot of Kanban flowcharts will have a Pomodoro will on they? the side. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just Or you can just put 20 minutes on your phone, you know. You could. Yeah. <laughs> so you choose one topic to focus yeah. on for 20 minutes. And 20 minutes isn't that long. And then you have a five-minute break, so whether that's water or whatever, and then do another 20 minutes and just keep doing it like that because it's easier to say, I'm just going to do this for 20 minutes. And sometimes you find when the 20 minutes is up, you're like, no, I'm in the flow, I'm going to keep going. Okay. Because they do say it takes 20 minutes to focus. Um, I believe that. I've, I've yeah. done this. I'm, I'm going to go and do yeah. this. You have uh, to turn so... off emails like on your phone and yeah. then just focus for 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing how much you get done. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So thinking time. <laughs> thinking, second takeaway. Second takeaway second takeaway is is that investigation, that shining the light. I think that is where um, a finance leader can really add that value to the rest of the C suite. So if something keeps going wrong or something in your guts doesn't feel right, or something you notice that, I don't know, something like, say, for example, gross margin was 60% and it keeps dropping by half a percent for five months in a row. Mm. What is going on? So that, I think, being able to shine the light, get your team to help, you know, there's analytics tools all the, all yeah. over the place now, but having making that decision to look at it rather than waiting for it to go wrong and get someone to tell you to look at it, being a leader, I think, is a person that goes, hmm, that doesn't look right. I'm going to take a look. And yeah, that's, that's interesting cool. because when we first spoke about that, in my mind it was almost that these people should be able to roll up their sleeves and investigate themselves. But actually now, yeah. now I've really thought it through and listened to how you've explained it. It's more about building a culture of being curious and, and, mm. and, and needing to know the answer mm. in the team so mm. that you don't have to be... Mm in a spreadsheet at midnight to yeah. know for sure where the yeah. margins are moved. Like actually yeah. you just build a culture in the team where uh, even before you've kind of even mentioned it, so I say, hey, look, you know, I went and looked at the margin movement because mm. it seemed kind of weird. Mm. Uh, so, mm. yeah, that's 
That's mm. very interesting. Mm. I mean, certainly you may have to roll up your sleeves as well. <laughs> okay, that. so you can't completely rule out actually like using Excel occasionally. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then number three was was always to be uh, learning, always to to educate yourself. I think, I think particularly as finance leaders or finance managers, you're very good, particularly with junior finance people, because there's a structure. They're doing mm. CMO, ICC, IA, or whatever. And you, you know, they've got they've got their development journey, and you know, you're supporting them or whatever. But then once you're qualified, the, the learning doesn't stop there. I think I think sometimes I know I particularly wanted a couple of year break. <laughs> Probably didn't do any education whatsoever for a little time, and then I realized I, I actually that's that's detrimental to me as a finance leader and and to me as a, as a as a person. Really, I think. You need to keep educating yourself. So whether that's podcasts like this podcast, or it's reading books like um, one of my one of my favourites that I recommend is the um, First Ninety Days. It's mm. a brilliant book. Um, or whether it's doing webinars and learning about you know changes in in your particular industry, or changes in accounting, or changes in tax law, whatever it is. Um, I think it's really important to 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 keep educating yourself basically until you retire basically <laughs> sounds like a dreamy existence it's very interesting that you mentioned first 90 days um in in that context so another member mentioned to me the book recently and i hadn't mm. actually looked i think i've heard of it in passing but i hadn't mm. really looked at it so i happened to look at it only three okay. or four days ago okay and i think it is very interesting because it's very interested to believe that you could be well I think it's quite common to believe that you could be a great CFO and it could be a bit unstructured. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's probably not the case because yeah. the minute that you put any kind of structure around something, be it the 90 days methodology or some other structure, mm. what you notice is you notice the gaps. Mm. And the gaps are things that you haven't learnt yet. Yeah. Or maybe your skills are a little bit rusty and yeah. the world have moved on. We talked about things like AI and finance, right? Mm. So, you know, you could have been great at optimizing for. AP processes 10 years ago mm. where there really wasn't any AI mm. helping to process your AP items. Mm. Uh, and so you would be scoring very highly on that a yeah. decade ago. Yes. Well, you're a bit rusty now, right? Yeah. So, so you know, th there are always going to be gaps just because the state of the art is developing. Yeah. And so the, the minute you throw a structure around exactly what you're delivering, you'll have little gaps where you've got to... Um, optimize for your learning. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I loved in that book as well is there's so much emphasis on communication, mm. both upwards and downwards, and upwards even sometimes more so than downwards. So yeah, so I find that how much communication was um, within that book, which is really really insightful. I think. Well, after this podcast episode, to be flying off the shelves <laughs> uh, for sure, Alicia. This has been really fascinating. Look, look I mean, like hats off on your like one your your amazing finance career. Uh, to like, I, I know your courses are in really high demand, and so like that's a great space. I mean, we we obviously have some programs as part of Startup CFO, um, and you'll sit very nicely alongside those. So it's sort of very complimentary. Otherwise, we wouldn't have you on. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but look, I mean, like it's been really great to, to chat, and thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, guys. You were listening to CFO Insights brought to you by Startup CFO. If you're a finance professional working in disruptive tech and would like to join our global network, visit our website, startupcfo.tech, to learn more. 
This podcast was part of our CFO Insights series of discussions. And if you want to learn more about the Startup CFO Group, follow us on LinkedIn to learn more about our community and the upcoming events. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.